You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you on a Friday, and we have a lot to get to. More Big Ten news in a wild week for the conference as we await some kind of decision or perhaps no decision at all. And we get into recruiting conversation for the 2021 cycle, a big crystal ball pick. We'll talk about that later, but we start here in the 2022 class where Penn State has something special brewing. Commitment number five on board here on a Friday, Drew Shelton, a in-state offensive lineman. Commitment number two from Pennsylvania, joining quarterback Bo Perbula. He's the fourth four-star on board for the Nittany Lions in the 2022 cycle, and Sean that matches Ohio State with five commitments, trailing only LSU, who has seven commitments to this point in the cycle. For as much as we're wondering how things are going to finish with the 2021 class, look at how things are starting with the 2022 class. I'm not sure I've seen something like this where in one one class you just see, see gut punch after gut punch and nothing seems to be going all that right. And then all of a sudden you turn around to 2022 and, and you're in of course, unprecedented circumstances, and you turn around and and you've got five commitments already from some pretty good players in there, starting to get some momentum in state. We've mentioned Penn State's trying to make an emphasis on Philly and the surrounding areas, and that's something that seems to be uh, going in the right direction. So, Drew Shelton, this is, this is something um, that started to pick up steam uh, earlier this week. Uh, of course, we wrote uh, a little bit on offensive line recruiting on the rise, and if you read more than the title of that story, of course, referencing a crystal ball that we'll get to later, um, it was mostly about the underclassmen and the pull of, of what Phil Troutwine's been able to do on the recruiting trail since he's arrived in, in Happy Valley with the 2022 and 2023 classes. I think the very good head start on those groups and some very good players in those groups, and Drew Shelton was right near the top of the board for the Nittany Lions, a top target. He's a four-star by both 24-7 sports and the composite, number 130 overall in the composite, number uh, 12 offensive tackle, number four prospect in Pennsylvania. We have him at 24-7 sports a little bit lower, number 211, uh, number 19 offensive tackle, number seven in Pennsylvania. But uh, good marks across the board. This is a guy 6'5", 255, um, sort of a build-em-up type prospect. Tyler and I were, were chatting a little bit before the show. Looks kind of like one of those basketball power forwards that you turn into an offensive lineman you flip on the tape he can get out in front of the play and move um, pulling all the time going out to, to, to block ahead of screens and things like that so an athletic kid looks to be a tackle all the way and uh, you know we love our tackles here so um, a very big pickup for Penn State early they're going to continue to press ahead in the 2022 and 2023 classes on the offensive line Drew Shelton is, is a heck of a start Size-wise, uh, frame-wise, right now where he is at this stage of his high school career reminds me a little bit of Rasheed Walker um, as a junior in high school. Um, let's remember, Rasheed Walker now 320-plus pounds. He did not show up to campus that way. He was a build him up kind of tackle. That has worked out very well, and I expect us to see a, a, con- a considerably revised version, uh, an improved version of Rasheed Walker in his second year as a starter whenever he gets back to the field after uh, some time with Phil Troutwine. And, uh, Shelton, yeah, I, I brought that that forward frame from the basketball court. You look at what he can do on the football field. Uh, yeah, this is this is pretty far along for, for for Phil Troutwine to get this kid on board at this stage of the cycle. Tackles like this, um, who who you know have this kind of frame and, and and the athleticism that he has on the perimeter, where you're not wondering can he stay at tackle. You know, this kid is a tackle. This is a guy who can handle the perimeter role for you at the Power Five level. And um, Sean, to to bring him on board and add him to two top ten tight end prospects, a four star wide receiver in Caden Saunders, who scored three touchdowns in his season opener, by the way, and the top Pennsylvania quarterback in the 2022 cycle with Bo Perbula. I mean, this is quite the foundation. It's all on offense right now. We're peaking toward next week for maybe a defensive pickup for Penn State. 
but remarkable considering, again, the transition to a new offensive coordinator who has not gotten to lead this team into a game, may not get to do that until 2021. To have this kind of momentum offensively really stands out to me because the th- that's the side of the ball where you have had a lot of fluctuation with your staff. Just at all. I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. In general. Especially, <laughs> especially offensively. I mean, you've got two tight ends committed, a receiver and a quarterback, now an offensive tackle. Um, so all offense so far. Of course, we're watching Ken Talley pretty closely next week. And even then, it would be three commitments from Pennsylvania, which matches what they have from Pennsylvania right now in the 2021 class, which is just, it, it's, it's incredible. And, and, and really, there's no, good reason for it. Just like I think a lot of the losses in the 2021 class that, you know, just sort of dumb luck and things just breaking the opposite direction. Things are breaking, you know, well for the for the Nittany Lions right now. And that's something they're going to roll with as long as they can. Like I mentioned that that piece we wrote earlier this week, you've got uh, a bunch of uh, 2022 offensive line targets that have responded well. Uh, a number of them have been on campus or have expect, expressed an interest in being on campus. Unfortunately, you know, you, you had the shutdown in the spring. So, Gunnar Givens, who's the number one tackle in the country by the 24-7 Sports Composite from Virginia. You know, he was looking forward to a visit. Um, you talked to Tyler Booker from IMG Academy, who's originally from uh, the Northeast as well. He wanted to come up and just a bunch of names that are, that are you know, top level names, guys that Penn State targeted early. I think Troutwine came in. Um, you know, when you're at Boston, when you're at a place like Boston College, you better have your evaluations down. You better know what you're going into when you're heading into the cycle because you've got to beat teams to the punch. You've got to be able to be out in front of the – almost got to be smarter than than the teams you're going against. So, you know, when when you add that with uh, putting the, the Penn State logo on your jacket when you walk into a high school, you know, it sort of changes some things. But you still want to, you know, trust in your evaluations. You still want to be ahead of everybody. And w- combining that with the brand of Penn State, I mean, you've got something to work with here. So I think – Really, just from from talking to people, not just at, at Penn State, from from talking to people all over the place, uh, Phil Troutwine's going to, I think he's going to put together a heck of a class in 2022 and then and bleed into 2023 as well. So 21, 21 is what it is. Um, you know, the Nolan Rucci pick to Wisconsin was in from Brian Doan this week, as it looks like he's getting closer to a decision. Um, but, you know, he's if you give Phil Troutwine a lot of time to work with these guys and more time to build that relationship and sort of not come in cold um, with some of these guys, then, you know, you're going you're going in a, in a very good direction. We got Phil for the first time in a media session uh, back in February on the on the signing day that Penn State didn't sign anybody, but we got to meet Phil, um, and that's something he alluded to. You know, he he really feels good about the offensive lineman he wants, what he's looking for in offensive line prospect. But he said, you put on that Nanny Lions logo compared to maybe where he has been in the past. Uh, it opens more doors for you. It, it leaves those doors open longer, and, and it leads to more engaged conversation along the way. And I, I know he was excited about that opportunity to go out and, and, and maybe ha- be able to cast a wider net and pull in some talent. Now, here, you don't have to cast too wide of a net. Downingtown West High School, uh, this is a place you should be able to recruit pretty well. Pennsylvania, um, this is commitment number two in the state. We'll see if they pick up commitment number three next week. That would match the total of in-state commitments they have in the 2021 class right now. Um, and, and Sean, when you look at the offensive line, um, you know, efforts here for Penn State, you know, do you think that ultimately Troutwine um, is, is at the point in, in, in his reputation where these guys understand his background? It feels like once they do, they're on board and, and that's huge. He hasn't gotten to coach up Penn State and you wonder how's that going to factor in here? He hasn't gotten to actually be involved in game days, but his resume as a player as a coach at Boston College, but I think especially as a player, two-time team captain, two-time national champion, everyone remembers those Florida Gators teams. Even though these kids were really young, I'm sure they they have some visions or, or they they have some recollection of Tim Tebow's Florida Gators squad. This guy was front and center in that as a, as a starting tackle. I just think that carries so much weight, and, and it gives the Penn State staff, particularly at the offensive line, but really I think across the offense, uh, just a little bit more clout. No disrespect to Matt Limegrover, great guy, but... I mean, this is a different kind of pedigree. August 25th, Drew Shelton picked up an offer from Florida. He tweeted out the offer with the Florida oh, yes. Gators logo <laughs> and a picture of an offensive lineman at Florida. That offensive lineman was Phil Troutwine. So, yes, well I done. think that that lends something to that. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it's it's pretty crazy to think about that. But I, I go back to his coaching at Boston College is the thing that's getting people's attention. He had five all-ACC offensive linemen last year, which is, you know, if you do your check your math, that's every offensive line starter was an, an all-ACC pick. And that's sort of the uh, – 
that's the line that you keep hearing from these guys. So that's the pitch. And, you know, if that's, if that was my body of work, I would make that pitch too. But that's been the pitch to these guys. And really the buy-in has been there. Uh, and you can't really, given where he stepped in with the 2021 class, there's sort of a mix of buy-in. Um, and w- w- given time to work and given time to, to sort of hit the ground running. And some of these kids, he's been to their schools in that, in that month that he got to get out on the road. But for the most part, it's just been through Zoom. It's both, it, it's been digital. And, and and through the electronic communication. And he's done a good job in terms of building that up. I mean, I mentioned Gunnar Givens earlier, uh, Zach Rice, from uh, for also from Virginia, five-star kid. Penn State reached out to him right away on September 1st. And he's a guy that's been on campus before camp for Penn State, I think a year and a half ago. Um, Ty Chan is a guy that maybe we're not talking about enough from, from up there in Massachusetts, uh, really, really exploding onto the scene with offers from Notre Dame, Michigan, Nebraska, some other schools in the last couple of weeks and really just guys all over the all over the the uh, country that they're trying to to get in with and I'm not sure that you know this is the tipping point if it, without football it's going to be very tough to say get a guy like Cam Dewberry from from Texas in or um, you know Colin Sadler from South Carolina's kids from South Carolina with a Clemson offer so right away you think he's going to Clemson but uh, you know you've got an opportunity to get out there and put his body of work out there for these guys to see. And I think that's had a had an impact. And I think it's had an impact in the 23 class. Alex Birchmeyer, who we talked about in the first episode this week, was up for uh, a trip over the weekend. I think Penn State, you know, came out in a good spot. And there's a couple other guys in that uh, 23 class that are just, uh, I don't want to say over the moon, but really, really into Penn State right now. So um, outside of that 2021 pick for for Rucci to Wisconsin, uh, Penn State's offensive line recruiting just, uh, as as we said in the article, on the rise right now. And I'll tell you what, you, you look at what he did at Boston College, you got to throw in something else in there. NFL opportunities is always huge for when you're talking about high level offensive line prospects or high level prospects across the board. They know what they want to, where they want to be four years down the road. Chris Lindstrom, first round pick to the Atlanta Falcons in 2019 out of Boston College. He was the top interior lineman selected in that draft. Penn State has produced one offensive lineman in the first round of the NFL draft this century. That was back in 2007. Yeah, and and really, you look back at the at the drafts, and not much there. I mean, you've got uh, uh, Connor McGovern, probably the highest pick. I think it was the third round pick is the of the Cowboys yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, that's really been what's been missing. And and I like Matt Lime Grover. I think Matt's great. Um, I think he did a, a a good job, a serviceable job, and I think he kept improving every year. But James Franklin looked at that offensive line and said. We need a change. We need an upgrade. And he didn't really hesitate. And four days after Matt Limegrover's contract was not renewed, Phil Troutwine shows up. And this is something that, you know, that, that, that tells me that, you know, he's a guy that he's been watching, that, that, that Troutwine is a guy that Franklin has been watching for a while and, and trying to figure out when would be the best time to bring him into the program. And, you know, it, it, uh, it seems to all work out and it, and it's working out well pretty, uh, even without football. I mean, obviously he's got to get out there and he's got to coach and he's got to do his thing. But beyond that, from what we're dealing with, because we don't have football right now, he's doing a good job. Well, we didn't ask our listeners if they wanted the good news or the bad news first, but they got the good news first. We'll, we'll get to that crystal ball pick you referenced in just a moment because we have a few 2021 recruiting updates to get to. But Sean, uh, another just bizarro world week in the Big Ten universe that we reside. Uh, we talked a lot about this on Tuesday. I voiced my frustrations about it. But it, I mean, it's it's been hour by hour, uh, particularly on an, uh, an insane Thursday. Um, speculation, anonymously sourced reporting from the likes of uh, you know Dan Patrick, and all, you know even from within the twenty four seven sports community, we're seeing uh, signs pointing towards a potential vote, another possible vote among Big Ten leadership as soon as Friday, depending on who you're reading. What do you think, man? I mean, th- th- we're here in October 10th being bounced around as kickoff. That's in a month. Dan Patrick doubled down on that report this week. And I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know either. And that's, uh, it's fun. I mean, we're, we're laughing. It's kind of like, <laughs> great. We don't If you know. don't laugh, you'll cry, right? Exactly. Exactly. But no, I mean, it's, uh, I hear that October date. I, I don't put much stock into it. I mean, you, you need some time to get going and we're already into September and yeah, they want to hit the ground running and, and do as much as they can, but you have to do it at a realistic basis. You see um, numbers going up at, at schools, Iowa, uh, Maryland has halted their football workouts because of numbers. And and like I said, I do expect Penn State's numbers to go up as well. Uh, the, the, the results this week were pleasant. I mean, just one uh, positive case in the athletic department, but uh, you never know how the, those things can change from week to week. 
I, I just don't know. I mean, November seems more realistic than it did. I, I, I don't see October being the, the, the go-to, but November seems more realistic, realistic than it did. I still think January is, is the way that things have been trending. But on the other hand, you've got guys like Urban Meyer saying, you know, you can't play two football seasons in one calendar year. And, and he's got some points there. I mean, but uh, these guys just want to get out there. I just want to play. Uh, but man, it's uh, it's tough to uh, tough to forecast this one. Is there a vote coming today? Depends who you ask. I mean, you, as you saw our Bucknut site say that that could happen as soon as today. I don't really see that happening just based on some people that we've talked to. But I mean, it's been all over the place. But we've got people that, you know, don't know that there are votes taking place. If there are votes taking place, when a vote could take place. I mean, what do you call a vote? I mean, what what's the definition of is? Yeah, that hasn't yeah. been defined apparently. I yeah. mean, we're, we're all over the place in, in, in I mean, just kind of hold, in a holding pattern right now because everything comes out in a different day and everything is is sort of like – Oh, it's so polarizing, isn't it? Like you look at the 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 Sebastianelli stuff this week, and you know you you've got a, a lot that went on there, and and I'm not sure that you know that was the intention, and it wasn't obviously not put out by Penn State or anything like that. But all of a sudden that catches fire. Penn State part in of the, the narrative now. Yeah, it, it's part of the narrative. And whether whether it was corrected or not, I guarantee you the initial reporting, the initial comments made it a hell of like a lot farther than the, than the correction. The, co- yeah. the corrections won't. Yeah, the corrections yeah. will not. Uh, so, I, I don't it's know absolutely what, insane. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, I, I was sitting there listening to that school board meeting the other night because it affects me on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, my wife works in the school district, so obviously it affect, affects all of us in this household. And, I mean, that's just it, it was really interesting to see how it was presented, to go back to see what Dr. Sebastianelli said and kind of thinking, that's kind of not what's going on here. 30 to 35% of Big Ten athletes, it was labeled as 30 to 35% of Big Ten athletes have this uh, this heart issue, and that's not what he said. You were said. thinking about trying to, to I, say, weren't you? I, dude, I, yeah. <laughs> my wife's got the PhD. Yeah. I, I got the, I got the journalism background. That's not, that's not how that works. Um, no, but, uh, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't really make much sense. And then all of a sudden it catches fire. It goes viral and, and here's Penn State back in the headlines. And you can bet that people at Penn State were like, man, what, what the heck's going on here? If you're watching the Big Ten fall fall football season as a stock, uh, you know it's 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 on the rise. You see the schedule, the revised schedule comes out that first week of August, and you say, okay, September fifth, Northwestern's coming to town. We're gonna we're gonna watch football. It's gonna be conference only. We're not going to Virginia Tech, but okay. So it's on the rise, and then it plummets to the freaking floor on August eleventh when the Big Ten pulls the plug on everything. And then, you know, there's been steady moments of, of well, maybe we'll re- readdress it. And then it gets swatted down by Kevin Warren or, or, or a president says something that certainly doesn't indicate anyone's trending towards football in the Big Ten. And then you see players and parents and, and, and they make noise and you think, OK, could that make a blip on the radar? And Nebraska files this lawsuit. That gets us more information. Maybe things are on the rise. And now it feels like if you're following the trend. It's definitely rising towards a fall kickoff because you've got coaches like Jim Harbaugh telling their players to prepare for an October kickoff. The reason we know that is because Michigan had player availability and a player said Jim Harbaugh told us to prepare for an October kickoff. Full disclosure, we have not had media access to a single Penn State player since July. So it hasn't been something that we can really dig into on what's going on behind the scenes at the Lash Building. James Franklin had his radio show yesterday. Um, he seemed to indicate the team would probably need four to six weeks is where he put it at to truly ramp up and get ready for a fall kickoff that they should be in a, a good spot from conditioning. They have not so subtly this week shared some photos from the practice field, uh, certainly with all the safety attire that we saw back in August. But from my recollection, Sean, that's the first time that the Penn State official Twitter account has put out anything from the practice field since the Big Ten postponed its season into 2021. So maybe that tells you something about the mindset within that uh, within that building but at the very least Franklin says he's pushing for a bump to 20 hours he's got 12 hours of team activity he seems concerned about too much free time what that could do to player behavior what that could do to the accountability and the ability to kind of create that bond within your locker room which is already tougher to do right now because of your separating things and segmenting things among the roster and how you operate on the practice field I think at the very least he wants 20 hours and that plays into what I wrote up yesterday from Urban Meyer's comments on on Big Ten Network, 
He says the Big Ten faces an extended competitive disadvantage. That was a phrase, competitive disadvantage, that I think he he said two, three times over the course of that five-minute segment on BTN. Uh, he thinks that's not just a 2020 deal. It's not a, a short-term ramifications. It's how do you catch up? If you're playing football in, in January and February, and then the SEC, ACC, Big 12 has spring practice, and then you get to the fall, you're still going to be behind. How do you catch up on those practices, and how long does it take you to, to kind of uh, regain what you've lost through this process if you're the Big 10 or the Pac-12? So uh, a lot of, a lot at stake right now, I think, long term, and, and that's something we heard from James Franklin a couple of weeks ago. He was saying, at right now, he was almost in damage control mode. It's not so much, what can we salvage for 2020? It's how do we make sure the 2021 fall season is as normal as possible for Penn State? Yeah, I think that's been the focus for a while now is you you really don't want to upset that 2021. I think at at the beginning we talked about maybe you cut 2020 down to 10 games or nine games and you cut 2021, you cut that out of conference schedule. But I I think really the more the more you look at it, the more the focus is on keeping that 2021 season completely intact. And I I think that's the right call just to, you know, get back to to the normalcy or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. Penn State got back to campus. Of course, classes started not really the most important indicator, but classes started last week because most of these guys are remote, are online classes because that's what they planned for for the fall. Had that week of quarantine, got back out on the field this week, got to some sort of walkthrough. You kind of see what they're doing with those photos and the, some of the videos that have been out, sort of walkthrough with stuff, drills and things like that. And you can you know get a football involved and things uh, of that nature. So that's nice. But that's just 12 hours, and that really cuts into what you can do. Typically during the week, it's 20 hours, and you know, 20, 12 may not seem like a ton, but really, that's a, there's a lot that you can get accomplished in those other eight hours. And um, you, you've got the built-in off day; you've still got all that kind of stuff that you have to work around. Um, but no, it's uh, it, it's something where you know I, I'm thinking like 16 hours. You kind of meet in the middle, give yourself a little bit more time to work, and you don't have pads. You're not going to be able to do everything that you get done. But yes, I think that that does put you at a competitive disadvantage. Uh, I, I guess I, I, if you're going to have schools have the ability to work out or, or do what they can do at the, during this time, whether that's padded practices, getting ready for games or just the walkthrough, why would, why would you make them different? I mean, that's the question to me is, is you're, you're setting yourself up for an even bigger competitive disadvantage. I think that's yes. the issue that a lot of these big 10 coaches will have. Lack of contact is huge. That's also a, a point that Urban Meyer hammered home in his, in his segment was, you know, he, he heard, you know, obviously he's still engaged with big 10 coaches and he's hearing about, uh, you know, 10 fumbles during a scrimmage uh, on one scrimmage because guys are not, you know, they, they got to relearn how to take hits and hold on to the football and how to dish out hits in a in a safe way. I mean, that's been such an emphasis for football at every level is is creating that violent contact without inflicting the damage to your head and to your spine that that has plagued football and, and now that long-term studies are underway and, and have been underway we understand that we're changing the way we ask players to tackle each other uh, so you're losing the the tackling you're losing the blocking you're, you're working against bags and, and how long can you keep that up while the Auburns and the Clemsons of the world are hitting each other, doing full contact preparation, and then eventually, um, if they're, things go according to plan, we're going to see ACC Big 12 teams on the field next weekend. We're going to see SEC programs on the field by the end of this month. And, and again, you wonder, is, is there going to be a, a tremendous gap that is growing right now in the Power 5 uh, structure? And then you wonder, how much, how does that ultimately leak into the recruiting trail, and, and how does that impact the, the sway that that certain coaches and certain conferences carry with recruits versus the programs that have, have continued on as you know as uh, as scheduled, I guess. Uh, so you wonder all that. We got a little bit of insight into where things may be headed if the spring season, spring semester season, is the answer. Uh, Heather Dinich, a college football insider from ESPN, reported about the football oversight committee uh, sending in their recommendations to the Division One Council. Uh, this report came out on Thursday. Um, apparently, the oversight committee is is going to recommend a spring season model, Sean. It gives conferences a chance to have a 29-day practice structure and an eight-game season that must end by April 17th. So we are certainly now talking about uh, more of a of the, the winter kickoff than any kind of spring football. Um, it essentially would end when we would normally see the blue-white game. So you know, kind of you're looking at the same end of of on-field work as you normally would and then you're looking at the same time between that and when you get back on the field in August the difference there of course is you'd be playing full contact football 
or potentially eight Big Ten football games in the winter versus the SEC squads and ACC squads who are going to, you know, if they get to the end of their season, they're done in January. Uh, they have that time to, to, to bounce back physically. They go about their business with a normal spring ball preparation, and they should be in a much different physical preparation mode next August than the Big Ten. And I think that's where you look at that snowball effect. By the way, Sean, on the recruiting trail, uh, the uh, oversight committee also suggesting that the recruiting dead period be extended through October 31st. As of right now, it is through September 31st. And they're also suggesting the elimination of the evaluation period uh, for football in the fall. So uh, another uh, headache for football coaches. I don't know that that last part's a headache. I think that most uh, schools have conceded that they're not going to go out and watch prospects, uh, you know, at games and stuff just for safety and travel and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm talking more the visits. I, I just yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I, I think the, the the lack of official visits is, and it's you know what I I really don't want to I, I shouldn't sympathize with the coaches on the official visits. I sympathize with the players and the parents because I know it's it's a logistical nightmare for the coaches and they want to be able to sell their programs. But it's really the they'll have another round of official visits next cycle and the cycle after that and the cycle after that. These players have one cycle to use those official visits, so that's where my sympathy lands. That's fair. And I mean, it's not even, you don't even have to specify that it's official visits. I mean, just no visits whatsoever. You've got guys that are making decisions. Um, You know, Drew Shelton, who just committed uh, earlier today, took his first visit to Penn State a couple of weeks ago and didn't get to see any coaches or anything like that while he's on camp. I mean, it's just part of the the nature of the beast right now. The creamery's not even open, I don't think, for walk-ins. Well, that's, that'll, that'll kill it right there. Yeah. So, um, but no, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's unfortunate August or excuse me, October 31st was the recommendation. I, again, I'm not sure that we see visits before that December, uh, signing period. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see where that goes. I think it's interesting too. They have talked about, uh, not allowing January enrollees to play in that season, uh, in that spring season, mm-hmm. which is, is very interesting because there are guys that could come in and, and seemingly play right away. Um, so that'll may change some minds of some guys that you're coming in just to practice. And, you know, for the most part, let's be honest, it, that's probably what should be expected of a high school kid anyway. But that's don't tell them that because they're not <laughs> that's not the mindset that they have. So uh, we'll see what goes on with it. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot there's a lot to it. Um, I agree with with expanding those 12 hours and I think you can make it work and you can um, sort of see yourself in a different uh, situation come August next year because of it. Well, and Sean, remember there was some there was some hesitancy for some people to commit to early enrollment before they heard a, a plan rolled out for eligibility because you know a guy like Landon Tengwall is wondering, am I going to lose two years of eligibility during my first year on campus? Potentially, is that something that's on the table for me? Um, and and it sounds you know that won't happen. But now they're saying uh, early enrollees, uh, you know, basically you're going to get an auto red shirt. You'll be watching from the sideline. You can partake in practice. We'll see. Right now, these are proposals. These are suggestions. Nothing is concrete. One thing we do know that popped up on Thursday that, to me at least, was interesting. The Pac-12 partnered up with a research initiative with Quidel Corporation. It's a rapid result daily testing they're going to have on every Pac-12 campus. Uh, This partnership will give them machines. It'll give them the testing kits. Um, And basically, they're going to be part of essentially a big research project in the Pac-12. And it sounds like the Pac-12 also may be gearing up. You hear November for them. There's been some conversation. Uh, national analysts have reported this. The the Rose Bowl uh, may be interested in a spring Rose Bowl. Uh, it's something that they're open to possibly where maybe you can get a Pac-12 and Big Ten conference schedule on track together. Maybe the winners play each other. They're talking about postseason possibilities if that happens. Again, all just stuff that's flying around our faces. It seems to change day by day. And we're just trying to pick some stuff, present it to you and, and, and talk through it. That's that's really what it comes down to right now, Sean. What do yeah, you think yeah. happens here? I'm going to Gettysburg this weekend. We talked about that. By the time I get back on Monday, do you think what do you think the odds are that we'll actually have some kind of Big Ten schedule idea for fall 2020? Or do you think that's getting too far ahead of myself? I think that's overly optimistic. Um, I I know what's been said about Friday. It's just there's so many sources right now, and a lot of those sources, you know, could be on the football side of things that are kind of pushing that thing. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you've seen the stuff that, you know, the, the, I don't want to call them selective retweets and stuff like that, but there's, there's a, a movement right now. It's, it's almost a football guy movement. It's like, all right, tough it out. Let's play kind of, kind of thing. And that's coming from, from the programs. And, and I get it. I mean, I'm not putting it down or anything like that. I get where they're coming from, but I think it's more, hope than anything and you know hope is great i love hope and i hope there's football but at the same time 
the way that they've reacted, the way they've responded. Like I said, a lot of people are going to have to admit they were wrong on this, and that's not something that people at that level do very well. So I, I think I don't think we have clarity on it in the next couple of days. As we saw uh, last week between recording time and between the time that we published it, things change. Um, very well could be the case this week. Who knows? Yeah, and and I, I we'll we'll find out. But I do wonder. Um, you know, you, you got to get these coaches an answer soon. You, I, if you if you really want to make fall football feasible, you, you can't keep stringing it out. But you're right. The the loudest voices in the Twitterverse, or you know, that you see uh, sharing things, and it, it's it's a lot of football guy stuff. It's a lot of Kirk Cousins. If I die, I die. As long as I'm playing football, it's okay. And then you also have the people who say. You should not be leaving your house for any reason right now uh, because of, of COVID-19. So you got those two parts, and then you got a ton of people in the middle of this trying to make sense of, of, of all the reporting that comes through day to day. Hopefully, we'll learn more next episode. Certainly would not be sad about getting out and covering some games here in 2020, but uh, we won't count on that just yet. After the ad break here, we're going to get into the 2021 recruiting updates, uh, a big one to talk about with Nolan Rucci, uh, but also some good news coming Penn State's way uh, in that commitment class and an interesting confirmation for early enrollment in the 2020 recruiting class as well. We'll get to our mailbag right around the corner. Stay with us here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, Sean, it's time to rip off the Band-Aid. You mentioned it a bit earlier, but Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst from 24-7 Sports, a guy that we pay attention to, have had him on plenty on the show here, respect his opinion. His opinion now has shifted on Nolan Rucci after, I think, a year and a half or more of having Rucci pegged to Penn State in the crystal ball. On Thursday, he makes the move to Wisconsin with a 7 out of 10 on the confidence meter. A lot of reaction on the Lions 24-7 message boards, as you would anticipate. What is your reaction, Mr. Fitz? A little bit surprised in terms of uh, it, it seemed like Penn State was was making headway there. Um, you know, he hasn't announced plans for a decision or anything like that. So, I mean, you kind of hold a little bit of hope there. And, and, you know, from what you've seen, he made that trip a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, things have been open in terms of communication and things like that. But, you know, Doan's a guy that you got to listen to. Obviously, Steve Wilfong put his pick in a while ago for Wisconsin as well. But yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I read that text from Doan yesterday morning before he put it up and he seemed, you know, fairly confident in in that. And, you know, could a decision be far off? Rucci's back into camp. He's, he's uh, you know, he's got a senior season ahead of him. He's always said he'd wanted to decide before that senior season. So it would not shock me. This is, uh, that, that would be a tough one for Penn State. I mean, this is one that you spent obviously a lot of time going into and uh, it just, you know, you've had some bad breaks. You've had uh, Nolan's brother uh, Hayden home for quarantine. I think that really swung things in in Wisconsin's favor. Of course, uh, Nolan not really recruited by Penn State and and it's going to leave a sour taste in anybody's mouth. And then you put him at home with his brother. Hayden, just just as you said, Nolan not recruited. Hayden, Hayden Nolan definitely recruited. Hayden not recruited. Yes, that is completely (laughs) completely the opposite. My bad. Um, But yeah, I mean, you had him around his brother for a couple of months and he's very close with his brother. And this is one thing. And I know that Nolan and Hayden both are Penn State legacies. Father Todd played at Penn State, but this was not one where the parents were going to push them to Penn State. And that's uh, something else that I think that has, uh, you know, I don't know if he wants to carve his own path, do his own thing. But it, it just seems like that this is one that, you know, if, if Penn State had a chance to get him back around Trout Wine, he had that visit set up in March. He had an official visit set up in June and really just not d- didn't really come around. I mentioned earlier in the episode 
the level of buy-in from 2021 prospects. And, you know, he, he says, says all the right things about Trout Wine. He says uh, all the great things about Penn State. But at the same time, it's very different than a Landon Tangwall recruitment where Tangwall was like, from the second he was hired and the, the quotes that we got from him down in Florida when, we, when, when Trout Wine was brought on board, you thought, all right, that one's done. I mean, that one's gonna, that one's going to happen. You didn't really feel that way with, with Rucci. Ton of respect there. And I know that they've, you know, had people that they've worked with, uh, just, uh, that have overlapped the Rucci family and Trout Wine. And things seemed fine there. But all of a sudden, I mean, you just look at, uh, uh his, ur- his sense of urgency to make a decision before his senior, his senior season. And it seems like Wisconsin really rode that wave of momentum as long as they could and, and could be the pick. And Wisconsin, like Penn State, sitting around, waiting to see what they're out of the season, trying to recruit along the way. You know, this is certainly would be a tough one, man. Uh, and there's no way to sugarcoat that. You can't say this is a case where he didn't get to campus enough. He's a couple weeks removed from, you know, posing next to to the statue, uh, the line stat, and you know, the line shrine. And, and you just wonder, um, you know, if he does end up with, with Wisconsin, um, you know, how much does Penn State stay on him? Uh, how much do they just respect it? And, and it's a it's a kind of a clear cut decision. I'd imagine Penn State stays in contact, but the thing with Rucci is, again, where he's juxtaposed from Tengwall, Tengwall's been an open book throughout his recruitment. He'll tell you how he's feeling about schools. You're not going to find a direct quote or a tweet from from Nolan Rucci that's going to tell you which way or the other he's leaning. We've heard that from other recruits uh, about, you know, he, Nolan Rucci keeps things close to the vest. I think that's what the Landon Tengwall said a couple weeks ago here on the podcast, and and that has certainly been the case. I mean, outside of, of, of the, the tweeting pictures on campus, which is a totally normal thing to do, you just don't get any sense from him. And so you rely on the reporting here from Brian Doan. I know you're still currently on Penn State as far as I know with the crystal ball. Um, I actually you know, don't have a pick in for Rucci. Oh, you do uh, not never, have a pick I, in. I apologize. I, 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 uh, I, ne- I never put one in. I uh, that's one I couldn't be wrong on, so I didn't want to jump on it, in on it early. And obviously, with the with the quarantine and everything, it's, it sort of slowed things down. So no, I don't have a pick in for Rucci. I I would lean Wisconsin right now based on what I've heard. Um, but it's uh, it's hard to say. Well, I apologize for putting a pick in the crystal ball on your behalf, but you're, uh, you're, yeah, not, you're I, not the only one, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, look, if you want to join this discussion, the message board is, is, is on fire right now with it. You know, if you want to jump in there, there's certainly a lot of conversation about what that report may mean from Brian Doan regarding Nolan Rucci. I think we covered it enough here on the podcast. Uh, this episode, we'll see where it takes us moving forward with Nolan Rucci. But as Sean said, if the goal is to commit before the season, uh, maybe this thing is signed, sealed, uh, and wrapped up. I wouldn't say delivered quite yet because we'll, we'll see what happens in the December early signing period. We're still three and a half months away, but uh, not trending in a positive direction for the top player in Pennsylvania uh, with Penn State. And it's the second consecutive year uh, where, you know, you look at a player early in his high school career, you certainly think he ends up at Penn State. Uh, I'm not even going to throw the other name in because I think one Nolan Rucci's name is enough here on the uh, podcast, but y'all know who I'm talking about in the 2022 cycle. And it would be a bad back-to-back result with the top prospect out of Pennsylvania, particularly ending up within the conference, if that is the case. Sean, I think you mean let's the 20, switch. 2020 cycle there. Um, 2022 what did I say? Still, you said 2022 oh, is still to be had. Anai White is the guy in that cycle. class that uh, will yeah. be sort of the litmus test in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I mean, it hasn't gone well for Penn State and Pennsylvania. As, as you mentioned, in that 22 class, they're sort of uh, trying to, to restabilize where they were at. Yeah, they got good news today there. Right, they did get uh, good they, news they today. Good news and, by, and by the way, on the offensive line, still waiting for a decision from Diego Pounds. The rumor has it that it's going to be today, Friday. Whether that happens or not, it's hard to say. Um, he's kind of been all over the place in terms of, of when he could come through, but I still like where Penn State stands. We've got our crystal balls in for Penn State right now. North that one Carolina, you do have crystal affected. ball, yes. Yeah, that one I you do. You do have uh, a crystal ball, and so do I. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> and uh, North Carolina is still involved in there. LSU still involved. Auburn still involved, but I think Penn State in in the best spot right now. All right, some more positive news here. Uh, well, not more, but some positive news for Penn State. Uh, let's get to these Michigan commits, Sean, because they got great news Thursday. They're going to play high school football in the state of Michigan, it turns out. A reversal on the initial decision. Their governor signing an executive order Thursday. Uh, back on the practice field Tuesday with helmets. I think by the end of next week, they're in full pads for practice. And uh, then the September 17th, 18th is where you're going to start to see games being played in Michigan. And that means 
a third, essentially, of the Penn State 2021 class, which resides in the Detroit area, will be on the field, continuing their development. I think that's very key. Lost along the way is not just, oh, no, we all miss football, but the actual development and progress that takes place at this level can continue to get those reps. You're going to see them for two players out of Cast Tech, Kobe King, Kalen King, the twin brothers who committed to Penn State on April 10th. The day before they committed, you had Jalen Reed on board. From King High School, uh, four-star safety, and then in July, Jamari Budden from Belleville, outside of Detroit, uh, four-star linebacker. He's also back in the mix. And the cool thing here is, Sean, um, if the reports are correct and the scheduling that I've seen is correct, opening matchup: uh, Detroit powerhouses going toe-to-toe. King High School versus Cast Tech. Three Penn State pledges on the field, and hey, that's great stuff for us, and and and, and we're happy for those kids. Well, if if you're playing in Michigan, you got a King and Cast Tech, or they they're the ones that have to play. I mean, no doubt about it. this is a a great rivalry out in Michigan, and obviously a ton of talent on the field every year. Um, that whole area right there, Belleville, where Jamari Budden is. I mean, it's good good to see them play. Um, this is something that I mean, w- when you and I deal with these guys on a daily basis or a weekly basis or whatever, you see these guys and they're absolutely crushed by it. And you know, it it doesn't really affect you or I one way or the other. But you see taking away what a senior season taking away. And, and you can talk about the medical stuff on one on side, but in the human aspect of it, taking away an experience like your senior season of high school football is, I mean, I, I can't measure that. And me as not a very good football player, I still think back on my senior year, some of the best times of my life. I mean, and it's just, uh, yes, it's, it's really, it's really good to see this happen just for the human aspect of it for these kids. Yeah, my senior year, we actually we actually went from a playoff team to a two win team. It wasn't a great experience, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. You still have to go through that senior year, um, regardless of the wins, losses, and all that. And I actually think this probably you know the lack of a senior season, the lack of a fall season. Hopefully, they get to play in the spring in some of these states. I think that it's it sucks a lot more for the players who aren't who aren't good enough to play in college. These guys got a future ahead of them. They plan on playing into the 30s in the NFL. When you're talking about these four star prospects, guys who have a bunch of Power Five offers, their future is in football, and they got games to play in the future, but plenty of careers, the vast majority of high of football careers end with that high school senior season. So to take that away, that that is really brutal on the the you know ninety five percent of your high school roster that's not going to play any more football potentially, depending on what high school. That, that's going to vary from school to school. Um, but but Sean, when we look at players who aren't participating this fall. You look at the Penn State quarterback commit, Christian Veyu, uh, confirmed with him earlier this week. He's not going back to campus at the Bullis School in Maryland. He has been home in, in the Ottawa area in Ontario, Canada. Throughout this pandemic process, aside from, from spending three days down in Tennessee for the Elite 11 Finals, beyond that, he has been home trying to, you know, he, he's a well-connected kid in that area. There's other ballers that he can kind of organize, get some drill work in, get some seven-on-seven work in. But Maryland pushed their football back into the spring of 2021. Uh, and Veyu, in effect now, focusing on, on wrapping up his time at the Bullis School online academically and then enrolling early in January. It's something that, that he had been a few weeks ago really trying to figure out. Now he has it figured out. And, and you know that's notable. We'll talk about this in the mailbag uh, about why it's more notable than ever before. The fact that you've got a quarterback coming into campus in the middle of the winter like this. Uh, but but Veyu now, uh, you know, I, you do wonder that loss of a season of reps. How does that set back a quarterback at the position? By the time he gets to campus, he'll be 13, 14 months away from actually facing live bullets at, as a quarterback. And I know Elite 11 President Brian Stump, who we had on the show, that was one of the things he really was concerned about at the quarterback spot. He felt like that position in particular would be impacted more than any others in terms of development uh, if, if you lose a senior season. Charles Power wrote something back in July about uh, if, if you have a chance to play in the spring, if you're a high school kid, you should do it in terms of development more. I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not just, uh, you know, walking the line or, or enrollment or anything like that, but you know, a guys that the stats back it up that if you play your senior season, you know, that's such a key part of your development, such a key part of your progress. And quarterbacks were really, you know, under that microscope. So we'll see what happens with those guys. I guess uh, some stats here, just two of the first of the last 12 first round quarterbacks were early enrollees. So maybe it's not that important to get in and get going. Uh, uh, Tua and Jordan Love were the two that uh, that did it, you know, early enrollee or early enroll. That's a tough thing to, to, to sort of roll off the tongue there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it I think there's been more early and 
I think there's been more early enrolled blue chip quarterbacks who transfer before their first fall season than guys who have done what you just said. Well, I know you make a great point there because you start that clock a little bit earlier and then you start looking around and seeing what's around you and you just feel like you've been there longer than you maybe have because you've got that whole semester with no games and then all of a sudden you think, hey, I've been here a whole year. I've been here this this whole long and now I know where I'm at in this pecking order and maybe that wouldn't change uh, in the long run if you, enro- if you enroll in the summer. But yeah, I think it gives you more time to think about where you're at on that depth chart and as we've seen before, especially at the quarterback position and we'll get into the mailbag in a little bit with this. If you're a quarterback, you have time to think about where you stand and where you can go. That doesn't always work out well for you. <laughs> yes, right. And 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 maybe dad weighs in on the situation. That can complex uh, things uh, from case to case. Uh, Sean, one other thing to get to on recruiting before we, we focus in a little bit on some former Penn State players. Ken Talley cutting his list to three teams ahead of his Tuesday commitment announcement, a four-star edge rusher. We talked about projected to play linebacker uh, last episode at Penn State. Uh, Arizona State, Penn State, Tennessee are the three finalists. I believe before this, he had seven favorites, six favorites, something like that. Um, feeling any different? Feel, still feeling solid about this crystal ball as we get a few days closer? No, still feeling good. I mean, uh, that's pretty much the top three that I expected. Maybe A&M flipped out with with one of those other schools, but I think it's it's been Penn State and Tennessee that have been the most uh, that have gotten the most buzz, and I think Penn State's still in in line to pick him up next week. All right, well, stay tuned for next week's Tuesday episode because uh, hopefully we'll have something to address there. Uh, Ken Talley potentially could be commitment number six for the 2022 class and, and number one on defense, unless they had somebody this weekend. We'll, we'll find all that out next week. Sean, a quick whip around across the NFL as we address what's going on with Nittany Lions alumni. Um, Marcus Allen, this is a move that I think a lot of people anticipated happening maybe earlier in his NFL career, but officially now playing linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The feedback seems to be very positive from the Pittsburgh coaching staff. Marcus seems to be very, very comfortable. And when it comes down to it, I think Every Penn State under, fan understands this. The dude can lay the lumber. Now, we've been speculating linebacker for Marcus Allen since he was in high school. So this is not really a, a surprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he's going to make this roster, and I, I don't know the ins and outs of the Steelers roster. I make it a point not to know the ins and outs of the Steelers roster. Um, it's probably going to be as a linebacker. And you know what? Hey, you got you to keep your job somehow. And, you know, he seems to be doing pretty well and taking to that. And, you know, if, he, if you're a linebacker, you got to play special teams as well. So hopefully he gets that shot and... You know, he's one of a few Penn State guys that are trying to stick with that Steelers squad. They signed Saeed Black now and DeAndre Tompkins, a couple of wide receivers uh, through camp. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, a couple of XA, old XFL guys, by the way. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. And, and hopefully they can stick in Pittsburgh. Yeah, late pick. I mean, Saeed Blacknell was on the roster for a few months there. He got released a couple of weeks ago, picked back up pretty quickly. But DeAndre Tompkins, what a what a great opportunity for him. Clearly, time is is not on his side to getting on board at this stage of training camp with with really just one week before you're then practicing for your game one with the Steelers. But uh, nice opportunity for him after both these guys, as you said, they saw the XFL opportunity blow up uh, pretty quickly after about four or five games with that league filing for bankruptcy at the end of the day. Um, and, and by the way, four guys now from Penn State. I don't know if this number will hold, hold true next week, but four guys currently on the Steelers roster uh, from Penn State. The only other pro, uh, franchise that matches that right now, the New York Giants, uh, have four former Penn State players on their roster. A.Q. Shipley, a veteran offensive lineman, spent a lot of time in Arizona. He reunites with his former coach, Bruce Arians, um, down in Tampa Bay. Who isn't going to Tampa Bay these days, Sean? It, uh, but you've got three guys down there on the offense, particularly good offense we anticipate with Tom Brady running the show, Chris Godwin, Donovan Smith at, at tackle there out of Penn State as well. And, and now you've got AQ, AQ Shipley as a veteran presence, uh, I, I would imagine stabilizing uh, the two deep on the interior and, and maybe getting some action at center. We'll see. By the way, tweet at me. Let me know when you're taking Chris Godwin in your fantasy draft because I... I sh- uh, oh, you missed it last night. Second oh, wow. round. Second round. Second round. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. The way that he's yeah. killing it, uh, it's fantastic. I got for him. him second round. Um, I, I think pick eighteen, which uh, probably I, I think he. I was maybe the third or fourth wide receiver off the board. I, I picked him over Mike Evans, so that's where I. That's where I kind of fell on this. On the that's decision. the interesting. Yeah, that's the interesting one. Yeah. Him or Evans, but uh, yeah, you've got that. Uh, you've got speaking of offense and receivers, you got KJ Hamler out in Denver. His his hamstring injury 
you know, this is something we saw. Hey, at, hamstring injuries, man. Yeah, yeah, it's something we saw at Penn State. Now, I mean, injuries for a small guy are are going to be tough to overcome, especially when you when you're fast and you hurt your hamstring. That's uh, that's not ideal. He was making some plays. We saw some some nice clips and things like that. Uh, hopefully, he gets better and and is able to do something. It could be a, on the IR to start the season or or whatnot. So we'll see what happens to that. Speaking of former Penn State wide receivers, Dan Chisena. How about that? He's uh, he's now a former Penn State wide receiver. He's a former Minnesota Vikings everything. wide receiver. He's a former Minnesota Vikings safety, and now he's <laughs> back to being a Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. I think I got that all right. Uh, position switch, two position switches in camp, which to me says they actually care about Dan Chisena. And and we know what kind of special teams player he can be, and we know that that's going to how be how he makes his money in the NFL. So if they're moving him around, they're just not flat out cutting him. That seems to me like they've got a role for him and, and something in mind for him. Now, whether that is a practice squad or a guy that bounces from from practice squad to, to, to roster or whatever. I mean, obviously, he's, he's outperformed expectations already so far. Did not anticipate the official Minnesota Vikings account tweeting about Dan Chisena twice during the first week of September. So I think he's already further along than a lot of people probably would have given him credit for when he got on uh, with that NFL contract in April. Uh, his illustrious NFL defensive career ended after two or three practices, it would seem. But really here at the crux of what his case is going to be is the special teams role. We know he was the uh, really a pretty impressive gunner for Penn State, really effective in that role. Um, you know, The guy has a ton of speed. That's been well documented from his track career but the longer this thing goes the more you wonder you know could he be a, a dark horse candidate to land on the roster I, it certainly seems like he may find himself on a practice squad a couple things to note with the IR potential for, for KJ Hamler that's now a three-game IR you can come off after three games here in 2020 because they're accounting for uh, COVID related cases and, and guys who might end up on the IR because of that um, and additionally with Dan Chisena Practice squads have been uh, have been up as well. I think it's now 16, 18 players on a practice squad. That's a, a, certainly an elevated number. So that's good news for Chisena. It's good news for a lot of these guys, maybe Blacknall Tompkins, uh, who may not make that f- first roster cut, uh, the final roster cut going into week one of the season. But you stick around. You get your shot at some point in the season. We've seen other guys make it work. Jason Cabinda in the p- more recently has done that. Um, and you stick around and, and guys get hurt. That happens in football and, and you wait to get uh, to get your promotion. So it's been kind of fun following Dan Chisena's journey. And by the way, someone who seems to have locked in their roster spot, at least for week one, Sam Ficken with the New York Jets, a guy who had a brutal start to his Penn State career. Put it together. I ended up being the, the kicker on our Lions 24-7 all-decade team for Penn State. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say he blew anybody away with the Jets last year, but compared to what they had before him, which was just an absolute circus early in the season and during preseason for them last year. But 70% of kicks, I don't think he's a guy who's got his job locked in for 16 games. He's going to have to go and earn it week to week. But uh, a guy who now, you know, going into or toward his late 20s, sticking on an NFL roster, getting that paycheck, I'd say Sam Ficken, another example of someone who's further along than than any a lot of people would have given him credit for when he left campus. Absolutely. And we're big Sam Ficken fans around here. Uh, we check in with Sam every so often. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, he's going to have to keep that job. And I mean... If you're a kicker, I mean, <laughs> that that's that's part of the job description, right? I mean, you got to make your kicks. And if you don't, there's somebody else that's in line. And luckily, he's gotten into that rotation, into that fraternity where you can sort of, you know, sort of recycle kickers. And it, maybe it's not always the best thing for young up and coming kickers. But once you break in, you're in a pretty good spot. And Sam's been able to do that. We will see where it goes for those NFL guys. We'll have answers there. Uh, all program, all franchises across the league will need to reduce their roster to 53 players by 4 p.m. Eastern time Saturday. So expect some cuts involving former Penn State players, but expect some good stories and, and some new landing spots for some of these guys as well. And as I said, the expanded practice squad, that bodes well for, for a lot of these guys, including some of the rookies who were undrafted. Sean, mailbag time, and it's a it's a timely question for us here on the show because as I just referenced, Christian Veyu plans to enroll early, uh, not playing this fall. And here is the question. With the NCAA extending eligibility for fall athletes, what does this mean for Penn State's quarterback room moving forward? Could it lead to more transfers at the position or change the way Penn State recruits quarterbacks? Let me preface this by saying Christian Veyu would make it five scholarship quarterbacks as things currently stand in January. And if Penn State doesn't hit the football field, they will all be on equal footing in terms of going through a game day with Kirk Shiraka. Yeah, and I don't think it really changes all that much. I think with quarterback recruiting, it's not really about 
you know, the class that they're in right now. It's just who's the starter? Where's he at? How much time do the guys behind him have? So you look at a guy like Will Levis and do do you see, you know, him sitting around for a couple of years? It's really tough to say. So, I mean, you're looking at going into 2021 and, and assuming this is how things play out where you don't use, you don't burn a year of eligibility. And that seems to be what's going on. You got Clifford as a redshirt junior. Levis is a redshirt sophomore. Roberson is a redshirt freshman. Uh, Micah Bowens as a true freshman. And then you'll, you'll have Christian Veyu as a true freshman. Um, so I think that's probably where the, the speed bump or the hiccup will come because you've got two guys now all of a sudden with the same year of eligibility and, as we've seen already with Michael Johnson Jr. opting to transfer out, that's not that's not an ideal situation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens between Bowens and Veyu. Um, you know, they get to their freshman year, they go through camp. We saw it uh, a couple of years ago with Trace McSorley and Michael O'Connor. They played out a freshman year. Obviously, McSorley was the guy out of those two, and and O'Connor found, uh, I guess, greener pastures or more Canadian pastures uh, after <laughs> his transfer out. So, I mean, it, it worked out for O'Connor. But uh, no, I think uh, I think that's really where you're looking at the change. You're always wary about this this stuff when it comes to quarterback. Even when we thought Tommy Stevens was the starter, um, he set out that spring. Uh, you know, it's these things can sometimes you can see these things coming sometimes, but these things can come out of nowhere. Quarterbacks are so I don't want to call them fickle because that's probably not fair to to the quarterbacks, but uh, it's it's a different breed at that position, and and if you're not playing, you're you know keeping an eye out for things. So the the, the guys to look at here, obviously Levis, um, you know how long can he stick around as a backup, and then Bowens and Veyu, who wins that battle, and what uh, sort of repercussions come from there. I don't think it really changes much in terms of of recruiting. You still want to take one every year, maybe mix in a couple uh, uh, every couple of years, or mix in two every couple of years. Um, they've got uh, Bo Perbula committed in the 2022 class. And I don't think that really changes anything. I still think they probably end up with one in that class, even though we've talked about them taking two. So I don't think it changes the way Penn State recruits quarterbacks, but you know, you're going to have a domino effect. If, if one guy leaves, then you're going to have to look at, uh, at, at a certain um, plan going forward in 2022, 2023. So I don't think it changes all that much, but I don't think it's all that different than what we experience from a year to year basis in a typical year at quarterback. Will Levis is the glaring name for me, Sean. He turned 21 in June. Uh, and if, if if we're talking about Sean Clifford maybe being the starting quarterback here, if things go well for him and he stays healthy and that rapport works with Kirk Shiraka, um, and, and he's around for maybe two more seasons, um, you know, you're talking about what, Will Levis being 23 and still not being a starting quarterback at the college level? That, that's a tough pill that's to a, swallow. That's a lot to ask, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a lot to ask. And and so I do wonder about that. And if any of these Penn State quarterbacks end up leaving campus, a place I'll be looking toward closely is Old Dominion, of course, with Ricky Ronnie there and him uh, recruiting all of these guys to campus beyond Christian Veo, though he was part of that early on. Um, I, I think you look at the, 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 the dynamic there where you've got Micah Bowens on campus for a full year and still a true freshman and then uh, Christian Veyu on campus for you know a few days and, and also a true freshman that's a, that's an interesting dynamic to, to kind of to delve through and I, I wonder if recruiting wise maybe this you know encourages Penn State to steer clear of a second quarterback in this and maybe steer clear isn't the right word but Bo Perbula said he wasn't sure where they stood on, on bringing in a second quarterback Christian Veyu when he committed said he was going to be the only quarterback Bo not so sure earlier in the process for him, but maybe uh, you're a little more dis- discouraged to bring in two guys and, and follow up with, with another two quarterback class because essentially what you're looking at is three consecutive two quarterback classes because of the situation. Johnson and Roberson, Johnson leaves, Veyu and, and Micah Bowens and, and, and totally different, uh, you know, uh, different circumstances leading to that. And then, you know, are you going to follow up that with a Perbula and Player X or just Perbula? Um, and, and I think you shoot sky high for a national recruit in the 2023 class. And that has been their approach early on with the offers we've seen go out. But yeah, I, I, I think it I think it is something worth noting because patience seems to run out quicker in the quarterback room than anywhere else on your roster. And that's across college football. So I do think that the the ultimate impact here. Uh, will probably be uh, more encouragement for somebody to transfer or, or, or more time for them to think about it. Because again, for Levis to be 23 years old in the summer of 2022 and still be looking up at Sean Clifford on the depth chart, I, I know they're close friends. I know Will Levis is, is, loves Penn State and, and, and likes what he's doing right now. 
But that that's a lot to ask of a guy who clearly came out of high school with aspirations to play football for a long time. It is. And it's a it's it's certainly I, I don't know if there's a right answer because you look across the country and I don't know that jobs will be plentiful, you know, just like in the coaching no. circuit based on this year. I don't know I don't know what we're gonna see unless you see more guys going to the draft earlier or something like that. So I, I don't know where he's going to land or what his possibility or where he would land. Sorry, I don't mean to uh, talk like it's already a, a, a given, but where he would, if he were to look, where he would land and what what he would uh, be able to do. And then on the other hand, we've already seen Michael Johnson, kid from Oregon or kid that came in from Oregon. Micah Bowens is from Nevada. It's a long way away. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got you've got a couple things that they're working. I think we're both in agreement that those are the two guys that you would look at in this situation. Good question, by the way. Yeah, really good question and, and perfect timing coming off that Christian Veyu. The one guy we didn't really spend much time on there, Taquan Roberson, right? Uh, he just, you know, from New Jersey, guy who's got that uh, four years of eligibility ahead from him. He, it just, it seems like he's in a different spot compared to those other two guys. And, and Christian Veyu will be the new kid on campus. So we'll see where it goes in the quarterback room. A, a lot of questions there because as we're talking about this, if they don't play football this fall, you're going to have Kirk Shiraka on the job for 14 months bringing in two new quarterbacks, seeing another one transfer, and all along the way, he will have never called a Penn State game. So it's a lot, lot to wonder about where it's going to go for the for Kirk Shiraka and these quarterbacks. And by the way, I'm sure if you're a quarterback on the Jeff chart, you're hoping Sean Clifford goes out there and kills it in 2021 so he has something to think about about the NFL. But if that doesn't happen and he's around in 2022, that just throws everything for a loop because everybody has been anticipating that Clifford, one way or the other, will be done in 2021. And that may not be the case anymore. So good question. Keep them coming on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, You can send your five-star rating and review right there. Drop in your question. We'll get to it uh, as soon as we can and and, uh, try to give you an answer on that. Sean, anything else to add before we uh, put a lid on on just a, another absurd weekend, or another absurd week in, in the Big Ten universe, but also one that produces some positive, negative recruiting news and and everything in between. I just hope this isn't outdated by the time we publish it, which is uh, <laughs> yeah. we're recording on Friday morning. We're gonna if go, it is disregard everything we said. We're gonna go live after Drew Shelton commits this afternoon. <laughs> so uh, yeah, hopefully not everything has gone to hell by then. So thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast for the traveling Tyler Donahue. So if you see him in Gettysburg this weekend, say what's up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check us out. Yeah, let on, me know if the Big Ten makes a decision too. Check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can stay informed on Lions247.com. But thank you for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Have a great weekend. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.